The Hornets get another win over the Miami Heat. It's their fourth win in their last six games. It all comes 10 days before the trade deadline. Is Terry Rozier worth the first rounder? Is Mason Plumley worth the first rounder? We'll talk about it all today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your pods, and that includes YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code Locked On. I'm Walker Mail. That's Doug Branson. Catch his Substack, Every Hornets Box Score, on everyhornetsboxscore.com where he's writing about a win against the Miami Heat. We had some impressive uh, stat lines in this game. P.J. Washington, Gordon Hayward, and Terry Rozier, all with impressive stat lines, Doug, and we'll get to them in just a moment. But I thought this was the second game in a row Mm -hmm. that we saw grown-up clutch time from LaMelo Mm -hmm. Ball. I felt like in the fourth quarter against Chicago, we talked about that, where he got to the foul line and it was an atrocious shooting night all around for him here. It was like that for majority of the game. He was not hitting shots. And then he started to in the fourth quarter and yeah, the turnovers are up. That's fine. But Steve Clifford talked about how good he was against the zone and how, because they were good against the zone, a lot of that was because LaMelo was putting guys in the right position. And so Steve Clifford, before he, praised Lamella for hitting shots towards the end it was all about his understanding and breaking down zone defense at a time where it really propelled them into winning this game another grown-up outing for Lamella ball Doug I thought it was the second one in a row that's right and the second uh the second night in a row where he had a big fourth quarter performance so he doesn't allow three quarters of bad shooting to become four quarters of bad shooting and honestly that's what stars do in this league you cannot hold them down for four quarters. Uh, so he, uh, you know, really stepped up when it mattered offensively, started knocking down threes. It's obvious that whatever you want to call it, playing hurt, playing uncomfortable, that arm is not right. I think there are multiple right. things going on at this point with ankles and wrists and maybe elbows. And so, you know, I don't think that we're going to see 100% healthy LaMelo maybe until next season. Uh, so, you know, what we're getting right now is a more mature LaMelo ball. He hit the floor for a loose ball. Um, that's not something I've seen him do very often. He's making like serious hustle plays that matter in games like this where you really need every single player to play well, especially the starters. You know, you need every single player to contribute in some significant way if you're going to win these types of games. And LaMelo did so. I mean, yeah, I I think it's a more mature version. Just like we saw a more mature version of Kelly Oubre, we said, you know, Tsunami Poppy is becoming Tsunami Father. I think LaMelo is becoming LaFellow. He's LaFellow Ball. Like, he is is becoming a more mature, like a a British gentleman, like a LaFellow Ball. Okay. Um, Okay. Okay. I can work with that. I I didn't know that the father connection there, but LaFellow, like just becoming more sophisticated with his basketball game. I can feel that. Exactly. can fellow that for sure. LaMelo to LaFello ball. I really like it. Um, So yeah, I thought that was another good fourth quarter performance. And really it was the shooting for him at the end of this game that really helped him out as well as the Charlotte Hornets. The other good box scores here, Doug, if you take a look, 
let's start with PJ Washington. I thought had a huge play where he missed a shot at the rim and then just grabbed the rebound away and was able to get a second chance opportunity at the very end. I forget who he grabbed it away from, but just was was able to, it was okay. So created that second chance opportunity and then scored 27 points. 11 of 19 from the field. And then the three-point shot was off at the beginning. He goes bang, 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 right in a row, goes three of six, and then I think misses one towards the end. But other than that, I thought PJ was very good. Gordon Hayward, perfect from the field, seven of seven from the field, including three three three-pointers, 20 points for Gordon. And then Terry Rozier, 11 of 19 from the field, five of 11 from three-point range and finished with the leading points getter. Um, or as the leading points getter, scoring 31 points. Um, if I had, I, I have to pick player of the game at the end of the Hornets post game show, and so that's what I had to do for WFNZ yesterday. We went with Terry, and it was the incredible shot that he had at the end of the half court too. Like he had that that crazy buzzer beater, and then had another one too. So, so we, we chose Terry, but I'd have been cool with all three of them. Who would you have chosen if you were my producer, telling me, hey, let's go with player X instead? Man, it's, it is really tough. I wouldn't say Gordon because, yes, he was perfect from the field, but I think they were fortunate in that P.J. was hitting shots at the end of the game. They were fortunate in that Terry was as on fire as he was because Gordon wasn't very aggressive offensively in this game. I mean, he knocked down the shots that he took, but ultimately only seven attempts from the field. So had those other guys been off, you know, maybe fully different story in this game. So I'm going to exclude Gordon. And PJ, I mean, those back-to-back threes that he got, I mean, really changed the trajectory of the game. Mm -hmm. But over the course of the full game, in terms of keeping them in it, you know, keeping them competitive through that first half, got to give it to Terry Rozier. In fact, I'll say that without that buzzer-beating halftime, you're going going out of the first half, that's end of second quarter buzzer-beater – I don't think they win this game, man. I think the, the the momentum at that point would have been fully with Miami, and I think they come out in that third quarter, and and we're talking about maybe even like a twenty point deficit some at some point in that third quarter. I don't think the Hornets could have come back from that. So I'm going to give it to Terry Rozier. He has been playing amazingly, like I mean, cumulatively over over the past six games since that, uh, ba- you know, back to back against Boston. He's averaging like 27, four and four on on really great percentages. I mean, these are elite numbers that he's putting up, and he's doing it as LaMelo Ball is reacclimating himself, you know, after you're returning from all of mm-hmm. these injuries. You know, he's once again stepping up into that void. Terry Rozier, he's been amazing. Yeah, seven assists for Terry Rozier, too. So seven for LaMelo, which is to be expected. P.J. Washington had five, which is a decent amount for him, for sure. But then seven for Terry. So I thought that was a good game. 31, seven, and six, to be exact. What you're seeing from Terry on good shooting all the way around. So those are the good performances. Bench, not so much. I, In fact, Mark Williams was, was good, but you know only two of two from the field. And so we can get to uh, Mark and a little bit more of the observations that we had later on in the show. But coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. More trade rumors, baby. We're going to talk about Mason Plumlee and the value that the Hornets could bring in return if they send him out 10 days out from the trade deadline. Let's also talk about prize picks. This episode is brought to you by prize picks and how it works is you can pick two to six players and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, 
you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And they offer projections on really any sport you watch. That includes the big three, the NBA, NFL, and MLB, but also hockey, PGA, college football, men's and women's college basketball, the WNBA, esports, NASCAR, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket. Yes, even cricket, even more. There's even more that I didn't mention there. So go to prize picks and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals and they're currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada. Download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. So if you deposit $100, PrizePix gives you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix gives you $50. You get the idea. Don't forget to enter promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Or Locked On Hornets coming up next. Doug, our very own Matt Moore of Hardwood Paroxysm on Twitter, I believe is his Twitter handle. He put this out over the weekend. That the Charlotte Hornets, if they trade Mason Plumlee, then they are going to be looking for a first-round pick in return. So quite the incline that you see from Mason Plumlee in his trajectory from what he was <laughs> just a year ago at this time, where he was not a valued commodity on the trade market. The only reason maybe he would be is because the second year of the contract was not fully guaranteed. But now he's playing very well. And now the Hornets aren't going to trade him unless they get a first round pick in return. I have thoughts. People, they have the thoughts. Let's go to the Doug Branson thoughts, though. What do you make of Matt Moore's report? I think it makes sense. Why not start high? I mean, especially when a player is playing at an elite level at a position that is going to be valuable at the trade deadline. Let's let's not forget that. That the, all all of the things that I'm reading are that teams are looking for two things at this point: point guard and center. All of these teams, and there are a lot of them this season that think they can compete, think they can improve their positioning, get out of the the play-in spot and into the playoff spot. And, and I think there are going to be multiple teams vying for uh, the few teams that are opting to sell at this point. And at that position, point guard and center, the Hornets have two options here, Terry Rozier and Mason Plumlee that are playing right now the best ball that they've played arguably in their career. And so, yeah, I would hope that this team is asking a high price and willing to negotiate. Yeah, I mean, and certainly for Mason, it's the best ball of his career. I mean, we haven't seen this before offensively, especially in the entire month of January that we just saw. You know, so th this for me, it, it's totally fine to ask for a first round pick as long as you negotiate and you don't slam the phone down if you don't get anything less than a first round pick. Right. Or I mean, if you don't get anything, you know, remotely close to that, because at the end of the day, as much as we like Mason, as much as the story's crazy and you don't want to bring him down because he's he was he's been great this year. There's no doubt, especially in the last month. At the end of the day, you're not going to trade a first round pick for someone that I don't think is going to start for a contender. And the contenders are going to be the ones at the trade market trying to figure out how to just get get their team a little more talent in order to have confidence going forward into the postseason. And so mm -hmm. are you willing to give up a first round pick, whatever level of protection you want to talk about lottery protected first, whatever protection you want to discuss on the first rounder, are you going to give that up for Mason Plumley, a backup center who is also on a rental, right? Like maybe, maybe you could argue that you've just, let, let's say you meant, you know, when, when Joel Embiid would go to the bench, 
and it, it's not happened this year, but because James Harden, but when Joel Embiid, Embiid would go to the bench, you just get destroyed up in Philadelphia. You, you constantly mm-hmm. needed some big man depth. And let's just say, okay, well, Mason Plumlee's on a good contract. He, he's there for a couple more seasons and you wanted to trade a, a protected first rounder because you're all in. That might make sense, but Mason is not. And so maybe you want the inside track, but, but still, I just I I would still bet no that you won't get a first round pick, but it's great to ask for it. Hell, ask for a first rounder for any player you have on the roster. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I would be more comfortable with them playing hardball on Mason Plumley than I would be Terry Rozier because the the negatives of keeping Mason Plumley are relatively right. low because of the contract right. situation, and honestly, because when Mason's on the floor. Uh, it it does make your team play better. Like it, it, you know, reasonably increases the chances of other players that you are trying to develop playing well, including Lamelo Ball. Honestly, including uh, Mark Williams. I I think playing him at the backup center position this season uh, would would continue to benefit him because he's going to get easier matchups. And, and then when teams try to go after him, like Miami did against Bam, you know, with Bam Adebayo. It's just those those instances are going to happen less and give him a better chance at performing mm-hmm. well in those situations as opposed to like grinding it against centers that are honestly, you know, just more skilled and, and better experienced than Mark Williams and are going to get one up over on him. So the negatives of of, you know, keeping uh, I think keeping Plumlee are, are relatively low. So I wouldn't mind them playing hardball. But with Terry, yeah, you have to be willing to negotiate and say, look, there's there's a contract situation that is obviously going to be difficult for some teams to deal with. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you, you know, maybe that first rounder becomes uh, some package that includes second rounders and players that you can bring back uh, that that would help your team down the line. Well, yeah, and, and it's not like you're losing Mason Plumley for absolutely nothing. The cap space is is something. And yes, it's coming off of the books either way. But what are you going to bring back if if the price becomes, I don't know. I mean, are they going to be multiple second round picks? I don't know what that would be. You know, I, I'd probably pull the trigger on that because as we mentioned, and we can talk about this a little bit more in the third segment, but as we talk about taking the keys away from Steve Clifford, mm-hmm. you know, at some point this does come about the player or, you know, comes around the players too. So if Mason yeah. Plumley is actually helping you win games as, as awful as it is to say, as very against the break it is, then trading Mason Plumley for assets, even if it's just a couple second round picks that plus Part of this too is creating more space for Mark Williams, and I understand your backup, you know, point with with Mark coming in. But Mark Williams getting more minutes, I don't think, is a bad thing. So yeah, there mm-hmm. there are different ways to look at it. Ultimately, I do understand, and I agree with you. Like the the negatives of keeping Mason Plumley, it's not as bad as keeping Terry Rozier because the price went higher and having that contract on the books further. You know, so I I, I totally hear that. And I don't necessarily disagree with you that, and I've said it before on the show that that moving Mason Plumley would solve your issue of of trying to get Nick Richards more minutes, you know, and then you can move Mark mm-hmm. into the starting position, and then move Nick Richards into the backup position. Like I don't think that would necessarily be devastating to Mark Williams. I'm just saying it would be slightly more beneficial for him to play out his rookie season at the backup center position. But again, I don't think it would be devastating to him in any way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The 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 other thing that I think you have to consider too is that they do have multiple moves that they can make. We have reports that Golden State is still interested in PJ Washington. You've got Kelly Oubre, who will who will return this season, is is possibly tradable. You've got Gordon Hayward, who I think is probably the least tradable of all of the options. 
But you mm-hmm. do have a variety of players that you can move at this point and make your team significantly, you know, worse, which would put you in a position to have a better draft pick. So, you know, again, I don't if they end up moving one or two of those guys and keeping Mason Plumley, I don't think he helps you win games. I think he helps you play better. To me, Terry Rozier is the impact player that does actually result can single has the ability to single handedly result in a in a win or a loss. Yeah. Um, well, we'll see what they can do with Mason Plumley at the trade deadline. And now, I mean, it's close. You know, every once, I mean, what you'll see is you'll see a couple of trades come in a week before the trade deadline, where it, it's the the good students in elementary school where they get their homework done early because the Tate the, the deadline it breeds activity, right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's the reason we see so much of it is because you can't do it and it's up against the deadline and that's all right. Now we got to pull the trigger on something where you're you're gonna see a couple of A plus students get their work done a week out before the deadline. Yeah. Is Charlotte going to operate that way just because they've been studying for a long time, given all the rumors around the roster? That'll be interesting to see. Well, well, you have to let the clock tick down. I mean, that's just yeah. kind of the reality that the deadline exists. And so, you know, teams on both sides of the negotiating table are going to take that clock as far as it can go until until one team decides that they have the best deal that they can possibly get. And then it's really up to that team to say, all right, do we take that best deal or do we do, hold, hold Pat? Now, what's encouraging to me is that in that Matt Moore report from the Action Network, we're also getting some information that the team seems to be transitioning thankfully, away from this idea of let's go out into the trade market and try to find tools that we can put around LaMelo to win sooner rather than later. And instead, they're transitioning into a place of, you know, how do we position this team to win in the long term around LaMelo Ball? Because Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's really necessarily a move that they can make that would vault them into playoff contention status next season. You know, this needs to be more of a long-term sell on LaMelo Ball and say, you know, hopefully it involves a transformational player like Victor Webanyama and and you get that first-round pick and then you pair that with some other moves that you make and sell LaMelo Ball in the long-term vision. But so I'm glad that they're transitioning away from that. But here's the thing, Walker, you got to get the deal done, right? You got to do something. That's the big challenge. That's the big, I think, concern from a lot of Hornets fans who have been paying close attention uh, to this front office, you've got to actually get pen to paper and get a deal done. We'll see what happens in 10 days. All right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Have some finishing thoughts on that. Maybe go around a little bit on that topic. And then let's go to Doug's notebook. Talk about this game against Miami once more. This episode is brought to you by TurboTax. You can go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who will do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do, well, not taxes. Show your eyes things that aren't taxes. Unpack a moving box of, yeah, not taxes. Taste, not taxes sing not taxes a lullaby that'll help you relieve some stress hope you not taxes sleeps through the night grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset with TurboTax, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish ensuring your taxes are done right guaranteed so you can relax feels good to be done with your taxes now doesn't it come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes visit TurboTax.com to learn more into a TurboTax full service products only video meeting while expert does your taxes required See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Last segment on Lockdown Hornets coming up next.
is locked on Hornets. Mitch Kupchak, will he do the thing that he has not done in season? This anything. Time? The thing that he has not done it is always anything. Comes back to do something. <laughs> Just do do one thing. You need to get a stick from outside and become the meme in person because <laughs> that it always comes back to do something. Do something. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. All right, so you were talking about the idea that Mitch Kupchak has around this team and basically not operating under the level of, hey, we get a couple more pieces. Maybe we can make the playoffs and go deeper into it. So and I and that's, I think, how they've operated with some extensions, right? Like not even an extension for Gordon Hayward, but they bring him on. And I think the idea for Mitch Kupchak is that you can't get the high class all star for anything less than $30 million a year at that level of play, right? So you got to overpay mm-hmm. for Gordon Hayward to bring him to the city of Charlotte and then Terry Rozier, you want to keep on to him. And so you fall victim to a very, 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 let me emphasize light version of what happened with the NBA salary cap rise, but you just want to hold on to some of the pieces that you have. And in reality, it's just not going to work out in the future. So I believe maybe that's what they've done with Gordon and Terry, and we'll see what happens elsewhere on the roster. But they, I, I do think that Mitch Kupchak has actually been somewhat brutally honest about not falling into this falsehood that this team is a second round playoff contender, right? Like when, when, when they made the move at the deadline last year, it was mm-hmm. to get some big man depth with Montrez Harrell, but they only gave up Vernon Carey who they weren't going to play. And they gave up Ish Smith because that was the, I guess the somewhat value of, of, of something to go back to Washington and uh, lose some point guard depth and get Montrez, but they're not pulling off these trades that say, okay, we think we can make the playoffs this year. And so I, I don't think that they're going to do that for next season. It's it's the different, it's the other side of the coin, right? It's the fact that Mitch Kupchak doesn't complete the deal. They have not been in playoff contention as far as getting to the second round. And so I do have a lot more hope that if they do trade, it will be because of the whole selling and not the buying. Yeah, I mean, you can't be a second round team walker until you're a first round team. You know, I mean, that's right. just uh, <laughs> that's mad. Well, Mitch Kupchak has said it. Yeah, they don't want to just get into the first round and get stomped, and that's what's happened, except in the play in the last two years. One, I think they solved one of the issues that they had, and that was at the coaching position. Uh, I think they now have a coach in Steve Clifford that understands what it takes and can deliver the accountability necessary to get that message through to players of, hey, Here's what it takes to actually achieve the thing. You know that thing that you want to achieve? Playoff success, possibly NBA championship contention. Well, here's what it actually takes to achieve that. And then players go, oh, okay, I get it. And I think the players do get it. Now, of course, this season has been wrecked by things that were outside of Steve Clifford's control. Uh, Just tons of injuries. But you can see in this in this stretch that they've been on where they've won four out of the last five games and played spoiler to some Eastern Conference teams like Atlanta, Chicago, and now Miami that are fighting for playoff positioning. Now, I don't think Miami took took Charlotte very seriously. I'm just going to say that right now. Jimmy Butler was doing a lot of laughing. I didn't see much. I don't know. I didn't see him after the game. But I don't think he was doing much laughing after the game. Uh, so, But th- they didn't take him seriously. But look, Charlotte got him, and Charlotte got him because I think Steve Clifford has these guys believing. So they've solved that one issue, but they still have a talent gap. I mean, there's no doubt about that. You know, Clifford is brilliant at getting – a less than talented team to play, you know, above, above water, but that hasn't proven for him 
to be second round playoff success. So they still have to fill that talent gap. Uh, but you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad that now they it seems are finally coming to terms with this and I hope they don't commit to any long-term money at this trade deadline. Well, and I don't, I don't think they're going to commit to more. I mean, that would, that would be, that would be a shocking change. That would be, yep. and I would be pretty angry if, if they did that. I think a lot of people would be, but that's interesting that you, that you use the phrase, they solved the coaching problem that they had last year that they solved it i just thought that was an interesting word because i think there's a very real topic of conversation we're going to have on whether steve clifford is back next season and and it wasn't because of steve clifford just being this terrible coach right i mean we know the circumstances we know the hand that steve clifford was dealt with all of these injuries mm -hmm. with miles bridges being arrested for felony domestic violence we know that the roster was not the roster that he thought right. he was going to get that he called the most talented so all of that is true at the same time i still thought there was a legitimate question as to whether steve clifford would be back so you think so well, just don't mistake me. I don't think that mm -hmm. Steve Clifford was the only person that could have achieved what he's achieving right now. I just think Clifford over his career has shown that he's actually unique. He is uniquely suited in bringing a group together that isn't necessarily like the most talented and, and raising their level of play. Okay. Like he, he can Cl do that. Classic are, floor raiser coach. Right. Right. But there are other coaches. Uh, I mean, I think Kenny Atkinson would have been capable of that. I certainly think Mike D'Antoni would have been capable of that oh, yeah. because, because they bring with them cachet and Clifford brings with him, not necessarily. I mean, he's, he has coached uh, on staffs that have had like major talent levels and he comes you know, here off of that stint with Brooklyn. And so I think players recognize that he does have cachet in terms of his proximity to greatness. And I'm sure like Kevin Durant would speak kindly of Steve Clifford. There are stars in this league that would speak to Steve Clifford's knowledge. He's able to quickly gain respect, but I don't think he's unique in that. I just think when I say they solved the issue, I mean, they moved on from a coach that unfortunately did not have that same cachet. And I've used the word cachet a lot, I understand. But he didn't have that. And and I don't think he really had a tight grip on the locker room. So they've moved on from that. Will Clifford want to stick around for a rebuild? I'm not sure. But there are plenty of other coaches. At least they have the mindset now, like the kind of coach that's going to be necessary yeah. to move this thing in the right direction. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and for sure, I, I just was wanting to be clear because Steve Clifford, I don't think that – I, I don't even know if I thought that you thought this is a unique thing for this team, right? Like there, there are plenty of coaches that can get the most out of a bunch of different rosters, but even, even with that, we then, even with all encompassing, there's a, there's a few different coaches that could do this. I don't know if so many people would say, okay, they got this solved and then move on. And so I, I'm interested to see if, if Mitch Kupchak feels that way, if the Charlotte yeah. Hornets, because remember when they agreed to this deal, both parties, it was always a little eyebrow raising as to wait. That's a little interesting. It feels like this could be something short term and then they can move on if they wanted to. And a, a season where you don't even sniff the play in mm -hmm. that would classify to me as some type of, well, of reason of you not wanting to go further anymore. Yeah. And, and I don't want, and you know, when I, I've been saying a lot on this show, take the keys away from Steve Clifford in, in terms of like, don't allow this team to continue to win in the back half of this season at the expense of securing those draft odds at one of the, the top four picks, the top draft odds to secure one of those top four draft picks. I don't want people to mistake me here. I'm not calling for the Hornets to like remove Steve Clifford from from the head coaching job. I, was, I think he's done an amazing oh, yeah. job, and I think he's like 
a, a really good coach for this situation and has formed a great relationship with Lamelo Ball, which should be sort of one A in terms of your evaluation of of the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets at this point. What I'm saying is. Steve Clifford will win with this team if they're fully healthy. He he is capable of going on a back half run. He's done it in Charlotte before with less talented teams. Okay, so you got to take the pieces. The keys are players. You've got to take these players that are helping him win, that believe in him, that are. And this is brutal. This is very brutal, cynical talk. But but that's the deal. You got to take it away. Look at this Miami game. Clifford, after winning against the Bulls and doing something that he hasn't done in a long time, going to the zone, he goes to the zone early in this game against Miami, fights fire with fire, and plays the little zone at the beginning of this game. He's willing to adjust. He wants to win basketball games because that's that's just the kind of guy Clifford is. He loves to win. That's why you love him. He's competitive. He understands what it takes to win. So that's why I'm calling for the front office to go to his office and take those keys away. You are not driving this Lamborghini anymore. And then throw some keys to, you know, like yeah. one of the like a minivan or so. You got to give him a minivan. Yeah, Steve, look, you're you're way too reckless. You've had one too many. Give me your Mason Plumley, okay? Like no, <laughs> right. no more Terry. Come on. He's come on, drunk on Plumley. Put, put your Terry Rogiers, put your Lamelo balls in the bowl, and then you can get them in the morning when you wake up. We have plenty of places to sleep. It's not happening for Steve Clifford. All right, let's do some observations later on. Maybe we can. Do you want to do a couple of them now, or do you want to do in the next show and give just a fantastic tease? Oh man, I mean, let's see. I mean, look, we didn't talk about Lamelo's passing in this okay. game. I mean, just there were some really silly Billy passes in this game. I noted the silliest of the Billies in my. I think it was yeah, it was in the second quarter, nine forty-eight. He threw this physics-breaking pass inside uh, to to a cutter, and I mean, he was. I just love Lamelo's ability to say, "All right, I am going to shoot. Like I, I'm going to shoot, and, and I might not mm-hmm. make them all, but I'm also at the same time going to make my team better. I'm not going to let that frustrate my ability because I, I I see that a lot." in some stars who really depend on outside shooting, they can get into this groove where if the outside shot's not going down, it's not only affecting their defense, but then they sort of bury themselves and really get quiet on offense. But he stays aggressive with the pass as well. Um, I I just loved it, man. I love LaMelo Ball's game over the past two. I'm really, I think, I hope that when, I'm not going to say if, when, I'm going to keep it positive here. When LaMelo turns the corner next season into all NBA territory. I really hope that you and I can can get on a show next season, next year, and go, hey, remember when LaMelo was coming off those like multiple injuries, he was playing hurt, and he started to do some things like put his head down, get fouled, like get on the floor for loose balls, even when he was shooting poorly. Remember when he's doing those kind of things? That felt like a corner turn. I hope that in the midst of of all of the the clouds that have been over this season, we can look back and, and point to these certain things for not only him, but Mark Williams and some other guys and go, you know, this season meant something. It was worth something, and I'm glad we watched it. Perhaps it could be. That would be great. What what can it mean? And and even if it doesn't end up in Wimby, it's got to mean something. I've poured too mean. many of my hours uh-huh. of my life into watching. And I know I'm I'm speaking 
to someone right now. Someone's listening, someone's watching this show, and I'm speaking, I'm trying to speak Thank for you. you. I'm trying to speak to you. We have spent too many of our uh, hours of life on this earth. The, the short amount of time that we get to take breaths in and out have been spent on this Charlotte Hornets team. It has to mean something, and 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 it starts with Mitch, Mitch Kupchak. That's what that's what do something means. It means Mitch, we don't have much time on this earth. We want to spend it watching good Hornets basketball. Do something, make it happen. We believe in you. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first listen today. Now make your second listen game to game NBA. I'm out of breath. Every moment, every top performance, every result, Lockdown game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow game to game on Lockdown NBA available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Oh, did you? Do you have something you want to say about the game? <laughs> Do something.